This is my Bible. It is the Word of God and the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am. I'm seated right now in the heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus, the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine. And I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. The day my mind is alert, my spirit is receptive as I am taught the Word of God. My life is changed for the better and I will never be the same again. Amen. May be seated. And as you're being seated, if you would, turn your Bible to the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter five. Today, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. The tomb is empty. Jesus is alive. He is risen from the dead, and he is seated at the right hand of Father God. And he's coming back for his church. He's coming back for you and me. The Bible says that he's coming for a bride without spot, wrinkle, and blemish. We learned this past week during the Holy Week revival that living for him wholeheartedly and walking with him wholeheartedly is part of living a blessed, victorious life in this wicked world. Jesus did all that he did for you and for me. I love the song that we sang as children. Oh, how he loved you. Oh, how he loved me. He gave his life. What more could he give? Oh, how he loves you. Oh, how he loves me. He did all that he did for you and me. F.F. Bosworth wrote in a little book called Christ the Healer. We have it in the cafe. F.F. Bosworth wrote, Jesus went to the cross spirit, soul, and body to redeem man, to redeem women, to redeem us, spirit, soul, and body. In Christ, salvation and forgiveness belong to you. And as we learned this past week during the Holy Week revival, healing belongs to you. Why don't we say that? Say, healing belongs to me. Say, healing is the children's bread. Jesus is the great physician. You know, you, you ask someone, who's your doctor? They'll think of this person or that person. Well, our doctor, the doctor, the first one we think of ought to be Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. He is the great physician. And Hebrews 13, verse 8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is still saving today. He is still setting the captives free today. He is still healing today. He is still blessing today. And he is still healing the sick today in 2023. We've been walking through the miracles of the New Testament, looking for the patterns and principles, learning how to receive the meeting of our needs and learning how to walk in the blessings that we desire. Today, we come to the first of three miracles that happened on the same day. The first, Jesus healing a woman with the issue of blood. Then, Jesus raising Jairus' daughter from the dead. And then finally, Jesus healing two blind men. Wonderful miracles that took place in quick succession on the same day. And not only did all three miracles happen on the same day, but in all three miracles, Jesus commended 
the faith of those involved. Religion would have you believe that sometimes God will hear you and sometimes he won't, sometimes God will answer you and sometimes he won't, that it's a matter of luck or chance or this or that or that God has favorites. And to that I say nonsense. I challenge the New Testament students here at St. Paul's when they read through the Gospels to do so with a fresh set of eyes. It's amazing how many times Jesus said to someone what we see in the passage today, and that is this, your faith has made you well. Why don't we say, say, my faith. So you have to ask yourself what you're believing and what you're saying. You have to ask yourself, what is your attitude? The miracle that we're dealing with today is recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Today I'm going to read from Mark chapter 5. And you know, we often read out of the NIV, but the King James here is wonderful. So I'm going to read out of the King James today, especially because of verse 28. Mark 5, beginning in verse 25, and a certain woman who had an issue of blood 12 years. That's a long time to suffer. That's a long time to be in need. That's a long time to have a physical condition. She had an issue of blood 12 years, verse 26, and had suffered many things. So she had been suffering with this 12 years. She had suffered many things. It says of many physicians. So she went to this doctor, then that doctor, then another doctor, and she had not gotten better. It says that she had spent all she had. So she went to this doctor, spent money, that doctor spent money. So whatever her financial condition, whatever her ability, no matter how prosperous, how blessed she was, the Bible says she spent all that she had and was nothing bettered, but had rather grown worse. Verse 27, when she had heard of Jesus. And how had she had heard of Jesus? Someone had told her. And that's why it's so important that when God does wonderful things in our lives, we don't just keep that to ourselves, but we tell. We tell others. Verse 27, when she had heard of Jesus, she came in the press. She came in the crowd. By this point in Jesus' ministry, people had heard. People knew. There are wonderful miracles taking place. And if you go to the Old Testament, the last time miracles like this that had taken place in Israel were in the days of Elijah and Elisha. When you read the prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, they, they walked with God, they knew God, they, they spoke as they were compelled by the Spirit of God. But there's nothing in the Bible that would tell us that miracles happened in those days. So it had been a long time in Israel since miracles had taken place. So by this point, people had heard. People were coming from all around. And you read the Gospels and many of the passages we've been in, when, when Jesus would go from one place to another, a crowd would show up. Why? They had heard about what was taking place. So on this day, she came, but there was a crowd. There was a press. When she heard of Jesus, she came in the press, a crowd from behind, and touched his garment. The Bible tells us that she touched the edge, the hem, of his garment. She, she reached out in the midst of that crowd and touched his garment. She touched the edge, the hem of his garment. Verse 28, for she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. The NIV says that she said, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. You know, it's one thing if you come to church and you say, well, 
something might happen versus if your attitude is something good is going to happen, something wonderful is going to happen, something amazing is going to happen. You know, if you go through the week, well, God might or God could or, may, you, know, you know, maybe once this year something good is going to happen versus the attitude something good is going to happen today. Something wonderful is going to happen today. And so she said, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Why, why don't we say that? Say, I will be healed. So, so that's what she was saying. If I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Now, the NIV says, because she thought. The King James, the New King James are a little bit more accurate. They say, for she said. That's better, but still not perfectly accurate. Even Young's literal translation doesn't have this perfect. The Greek word for say is elegant, and it is a present participle, which means continuous, ongoing action. So literally, she was saying. Literally, she kept saying. The interlinear Greek translation reads, she was saying, for if I shall touch even the garments of him, I will be healed. The Berean Standard Bible has it right. For she kept saying, if only I touch his garments, I will be healed. The Berean literal Bible has it right. For she was saying, if I shall touch even his garments, I will be healed. The majority standard Bible has it right. For she kept saying, if only I touch his garments, I will be healed. The NET Bible has it right. For she kept saying, if only I touch his clothes, I will be healed. The New American Standard Version is close, for she had been saying to herself, if I just touch his garments, I will get well. And the Good News Translation is close, saying to herself, if I just touch his clothes, I will get well. And you might say, well, why is he making such a big deal about this? Why is it so important? Because in the Greek, it literally reads, she was saying. Why don't we say this? Say, she was saying. So, so what you believe matters. Your attitude matters. And what you say matters. What's your attitude? What are you expecting God to do in your life? What are you expecting to get out of the service today? What are you expecting to have happen this week? She was saying, if I shall touch even the garments of him, I will be healed. And this is so important. Because what happened that day perfectly lines up with what Jesus taught about faith in Mark 11, 22 through 24. And remember, Jesus told her, your faith has made you well. And again, this goes against what religion would have you believe. Religion would have you believe that it's a matter of luck or chance, or if you're one of God's favorites, or if you just happen to pray on the, the right day at the right time. But Jesus told her, your faith has made you well. And what happened that day, it's so important. And what she said and how she said it is so important because it perfectly lines up with what Jesus taught about faith in Mark 11, 22 through 24. Mark 11, 22 through 24. And Jesus answering saith unto them, have faith in God. He literally said to his disciples, have the God kind of faith. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say, why don't we say, say, say. So faith says, I know it's Easter, and I know many of us are born again. 
Well, how were you born again? You did what the Apostle Paul described in Romans 10, 9, and 10, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 23, for verily I say unto you, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Why don't we say, say, I shall have whatsoever I say. Now again, religion doesn't like this, but it's Easter. It's Resurrection, resurrection Sunday. I'm not here to talk to you about religion. I'm here to preach to you about the risen, resurrected, living Jesus. He is alive. His word is alive. And when you get his word in your heart and then begin to speak and say his word in your life, it has living resurrection power. And Jesus said, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Verse 24, therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire. Who desires? What things soever you desire. What things soever I desire. And again, religion would have you believe it's wrong to want anything. It's wrong to desire anything. Nonsense. This woman had been suffering in her body for 12 years. She had been to doctor after doctor after doctor. She had spent all that she had. She was not better she was worse. So, so what did she want? What did she desire? She desired to be healed. She desired to be well. She desired to be healed of that uncontrollable, unfixable bleeding. That's what she desired. And our Heavenly Father is good. He is wonderful. He wants us to be saved. He wants us to be healed. He wants us to be well. If someone is bound, He wants them to be set free. If there is a need or if there is a provision, he wants them to receive the meeting of their need. Now, again, religion might have you believe, well, the Lord put that on her to teach her something. The Lord made her suffer in that body to, to bring glory to himself some way, some deep, mysterious purpose. Well, why then was she healed? Why then when she reached out in faith, and touched the edge of Jesus' garment. Why was she healed without Jesus having anything to do with it? See, this should tell us that God wants us well. This should tell us that God wants us to be healed. This should tell us that his will is healing. Verse 24, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them, and you shall have them. Say, say I shall have them. Say, I shall have whatsoever I saith. And say, I shall have them. Have what? The things that you desire. If it's good, if it's godly, if it's righteous, that, that desire was not put in you by the, by the devil. That desire was put in you by Almighty God. When a parent wants a child well, that is a godly thing. That is a righteous thing. When, when you desire to be made well in your body so, so you can live this life to the fullest, that is a good desire. That is a godly desire. That is a righteous desire. Say, say it again. Say, I shall have whatsoever I say. Say, I shall have what I desire. Say, I shall have what I desire. 
I didn't bring the reference, they won't have it for the screen. But one of my life verses has been Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give unto you the desires of your heart. Mark 5, 28, the Berean Standard Bible, she kept saying, if only I touch his garments, I will be healed. Going back to Mark 5, verse 29, and straightway, immediately, immediately, straightway, the fountain. And, and I love the way the King James described this. This was a problem, and no doctor on earth could fix it. So she went to see the great physician. She went to see the one who makes all things possible. Straightway, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt. Literally, it says she knew in her body that she was healed of that plague. She had suffered. She had spent all she had. She hadn't gotten better. She had grown worse. So it was rightly described by Mark, by Peter, as a plague. And she knew in her body she was healed of that plague. And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself virtue had gone out of him, healing power, divine virtue. Again, he, he had arrived. He was walking. There, there was a crowd. People had heard. He, he didn't pray for her. He didn't lay hands upon her. At this point, he hadn't said anything to her. She reached out in faith and received her healing. And so he knew. The Bible tells us Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned about in the press and the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? We don't know how many people, but it was a crowd. And so the disciples said unto him, thou seest the multitude thronging thee and sayest, who touched me? They, they thought it was a silly question. Jesus, look at all these people. Why would you ask, who touched me? But it was important. He looked round and round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell before, down before him and told him all the truth. So she came and she told him what had happened. Verse 34, and he said unto her, daughter, thy faith. Now th this is again why I've encouraged you to get your own Bible. You know, the technology's great as long as it works. And then as soon as it doesn't work, the technology isn't so great anymore. But to get a Bible that's yours, that you read out of, you study, you mark in, you write notes in, you underline, you highlight, you bring to church. When, as a family, you have that time of prayer and read out of the Proverbs or, you know, it's Easter weekend. Maybe read about the resurrection, that, that you have a Bible that's yours, that you open, that your children know that you use. Because there are things that you need to see in the Word of God for yourself. Austin's not making this up. I didn't bring Austin's special Bible translation, special Bible. This is not in anyone else's Bible. You need to see it with your own eyes. And King James, Jesus said, Daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. The NIV, he said, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Why don't we say this? Say, say my faith, it will save me. Say, my faith, it will heal me. Say, my faith will bring prosperity. Say, say, my faith will enable me to receive the fullness of the Spirit. Faith is how we receive from God. Faith is how we receive any good thing from God. Faith is how we're saved. Faith is how we're set free. Faith is how we walk in the blessing of the Lord. And faith is how we're healed. It is 
the currency of the kingdom. Jesus' message was never complicated. The four steps or principles of faith we see today are simple. In Jesus' ministry, he spoke in terms anyone could understand. Often it was the uneducated that understood, not the educated, the religious. Often it was those that came from the backgrounds, the educated and the religious looked, looked down upon. He talked about vineyards and orchards, sheepfolds and shepherds. He illustrated spiritual truths in a simple way. Anyone could understand. And we can take the four steps that we see today, or these four principles, and we can work them. We can use them to receive our answer or to receive what we want or need from Father God. And you can take these four steps or work these four principles to receive now. An example is salvation. An example is the baptism of the Holy Spirit or healing or some other victory. But there are also things in life that take time. If you have a financial need, then you have to put these principles into practice and work them over time. Some things are progressive. So you got to put these principles into practice and work them every day, every week, every month, and every year. In your business or work or what you do for a living, you don't want just one good day. You don't want just one victory or one answer to prayer or one good sales week, whatever it is. Now you want to make progress all the time. You want to have victories all the time. So you got to take these four principles and put them into practice on a daily ongoing basis. But if you will, you can receive what you want and you can receive what you desire from Almighty God. Again, going back to Mark 11, say, say I shall have whatsoever I saith. Say, I shall have the things I desire. So first, she said it. She said it. And see, this is why my father's job and my job every, every Sunday, every Wednesday, when we had a special week of meetings like last week, our, our job is not to discourage you. Our, our job is not to, to make you feel bad or blue. When Paul wrote to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians, a church that had many issues, he said that his authority had been given to him by the Lord Jesus Christ to build them and see, that's what we're doing all the time. We're, we're building you up so you can say, you can believe God. First, she said it. And what is the first thing she did? Mark 5, 28, reading out of the Berean Bible, for she kept saying. Why don't we say this? Say, she kept saying. So she kept saying, she kept saying, she kept saying. On her way there, she kept saying, she kept saying, she kept saying. When she got there and saw how many people there were and, and how challenging it would be to get through the crowd to Jesus and how challenging it would be to reach out and touch the edge, the hem of his garment, she kept saying. She kept saying, she kept saying, she kept saying. That's the first thing that she did. Somehow, some way, she had heard about Jesus and she had heard about the sick being healed. And she had heard about the sick touching Jesus, even touching his clothes and being healed. Someone else had taken action and had told her about Jesus. But that's something that someone else did. There is a Godward side and a manward side to every battle, to every victory and to everything we receive from God. You have your part to play. There is something that you must do. And then there is a Godward side. There's God's part. But our Heavenly Father, He does not fail, and He will not fail. 
So we have to do our part. Do your part and there will be victory. Our heavenly father is a God of his word. He does not lie. He will not fail. And his word does not fail. So do your part and you can be sure of the answer. Do your part and you can be sure of the victory. Someone had told this precious woman about Jesus. Now she knew. She knew about Jesus. And she knew that Jesus was healing the sick. So now that she knows about Jesus, what will she do? What was her first step toward being healed? What is the first thing that she did? She said it. The Bible says, for she kept saying. She kept saying, she kept saying, she kept saying, she kept saying. And yes, in life there are disappointments, and yes, in life there are challenges, and yes, in life there are setbacks to overcome, and yes, in life there are negative people. So when a negative person says, it won't, it can't, it'll never happen. That is precisely when you have to keep saying. She kept saying. And not just say it. We know from Mark 11 and verse 22 and 23 and from this historical account and from what's in the Greek that she kept saying it. And that's what you and I need to do. What do, I, what do I do tomorrow morning, Austin? You know, it's Easter, Resurrection Sunday. What about Monday? We wake up and we pray. We wake up and we go to work. We wake up and we keep saying what the Word of God says. We wake up and we do what Paul told Timothy. Fight the good fight of faith. She kept saying, positive or negative, your mouth or your confession determines what you receive. She could have been negative, but she was positive. If she had been negative, she would not have received her healing. She could have said, there's no use going. I've suffered so long, 12 years, the best doctors, all my money. I'm not better. I'm worse. I have nothing to live for. I might as well stay home and die. And if that had been what she said and did, then that's exactly what would have happened. But praise God, she wasn't negative. She was positive. Tell your neighbor, say, she was positive. Tell your other neighbor, say, she was positive. She kept saying, if only I touch his garments, I will be healed. I will be made well. And praise God, it came to pass. Why? For Jesus said, we shall have whatsoever we saith. First she said it, and she didn't just say it one time. She kept saying it. She kept saying it on her way there. She kept saying it when she saw the crowd. She kept saying it when she pressed through the crowd. She kept saying it as she reached out in faith and touched the edge, the hem of his garment. Friends, if there is defeat in your life, check what you have been saying. Proverbs 6 and verse 2 says, Thou art snared with the words of thy mouth. If you've gone hunting or deal in the woods or with animals, a snare, a trap that has a snare is not a pretty sight. Proverbs 6, 2, thou art snared with the words of whose mouth? I know, any, any negative things in my life are Jessica's fault. Is that what it says? Austin is ensnared with the words of his wife's mouth. Is that, is that what it says? Now everybody's awake on Easter morning. No, thou art snared with the words of whose mouth? Your mouth. Thy mouth. Thou art taken captive with the words of thy mouth. If you're defeated, you have been defeated with your own mouth. Proverbs 18, verse 21 says, Death 
and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it will eat the fruit thereof. If you say you can't, you can't. But I choose to, like Paul. Paul chose to say this when he was in prison for the gospel. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, we live in one of the most blessed, affluent societies in the world. And we live in the great state of Texas. So we're blessed, amen. And whatever sad story you have to tell me, whatever trouble or difficulty you have to tell me, we are more blessed than most of the people living on planet Earth. So stop being negative. Stop complaining. Stop blaming others and change your life by changing your attitude and change your life by believing God and change your life by believing God's word and change your life by changing what you say. Choose to, like Paul, like the Apostle Paul when he was in prison. I would say those are some lousy circumstances. Yet he chose to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Why don't we say this? Say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So don't talk failure. Talk victory. Don't talk doubt or unbelief. Talk faith. When we speak words of fear, doubt, and unbelief, we sink lower and lower and lower. But when we talk faith, when we talk victory, we rise higher. Stop talking about your trials or your difficulties or your lack of faith or your lack of finances. When you're negative, faith dries up. If you confess sickness, sickness will come. If you talk about doubts and fears, those doubts and fears will grow stronger. If you talk about the lack of finances, that'll hinder the blessings of God. If you talk about doubts and fears, over time, you'll destroy your own faith. Instead, talk about your wonderful Heavenly Father. Talk about the Word of God. Talk about not only what our wonderful Heavenly Father can do. Talk about what our wonderful Heavenly Father is doing and will do in your life. And if you do that, your faith will grow. We are to hold fast to our confession and to the right confession. Hebrews 10 and verse 23 says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith. And that literally means our saying the same thing God says. Can we live in crazy times in 2023? And just when you think this world is crazy, we'll wake up tomorrow morning and there'll be some new crazy thing tomorrow morning. And the world is saying all kinds of things that are not, they're not just lies. They're, they're crazy, crazy lies. But what can our Heavenly Father bless? He can bless our profession. And what's that? Our saying the same thing He says. Not what the world says, what God says. Not what the world says, what, what His Word says. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he that is, he is faithful, that promise. So hold fast to your confession of faith. Remind our Heavenly Father of His Word. Put Him in remembrance. Count on Him being faithful and true because He is. The Bible says that He watches over His Word to perform it and to bring it to pass in our lives. Th think about that night, that last night, Jesus was in the tomb. Satan thought he had won. Every devil in hell thought they had the victory. But the Bible says that Jesus took away the keys of death and the grave from Satan. He said in John's gospel, I have power to lay my life down 
and I have power to take it up again. And that's exactly what he did on Sunday morning. And the Bible says that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead indwells us. So we, we have no excuses. We, we serve a living God. We have a living Savior. We have a living faith. He's alive, and his spirit is in us. So we have the victory. Tell your neighbor, say, we have the victory. Tell your other neighbor, say, we have the victory. For she kept saying. She kept saying, she kept saying, she kept saying. If only I touch his garments, I will be healed. So first she said it. Faith speaks. She said it. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 13 says, It is written, I believed, therefore have I spoken. With the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. How many miracles or answers to prayer have we missed because we got discouraged or because we got mad at God or because we had a bad attitude and threw in the towel? I love Galatians 6, 9, which says at the a proper time, we'll reap a harvest if, why don't we all say that? Say if, if we don't give up, you gotta be faithful. You gotta be faithful. Jesus said to the church in Revelation, those who stand firm to the end will be saved. You gotta be faithful. At the proper time, we'll reap a harvest if we don't give up. How many miracles have we missed because we refuse to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit? Or because as we learned this past week at noon and in the evenings, well, we've maintained a spirit of unforgiveness. So first she, did, she said it. And then second, she did it. She took action on what she had said. Deuteronomy 30 verse 14 says, the word is near, very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart, so you may obey it. Her words, her confession of faith would have done her no good if she had not taken action. Your actions defeat you or your actions put you over. Your actions hinder you receiving or your actions empower you to receive from God. For she kept saying, if only I touch his garments, I will be healed. And then she took action on what she had said. She did what she had been talking about. After being sick 12 years, after suffering a hemorrhage 12 years, the King James says a fountain of blood. After spending all she had and growing worse, she took action. She pressed through the crowd. She touched the hem of his garment. So she said it. She did it. And third, she received it. Mark 5, 29, straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up. And she felt, literally, she knew in her body she was healed of that plague. She didn't just feel that she had been healed. She knew that she knew that she had knew that a miracle had taken place in her life. She knew as a fact. She knew beyond of a shadow of a doubt that she had been healed. And then finally, fourth, she told it. Jesus asked, who touched me? The Bible says she told him all the truth. Mark 5, 34, and he said unto her daughter, Thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace and behold of thy plague. So this tells me it is our heavenly Father's will that we all be healed. Without an act of Jesus' will or his own volition or Jesus doing something, this precious woman tapped into the power of God with her own faith. Jesus told her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Your faith has made you well. Please bow your heads. Jesus is our healer, but first, he is our savior. He is alive, he is risen from the dead. I'm not talking about one option among many. 
This world that we live in, this culture that we live in, it'll lie to you. It'll tell you that you can come up with your own way to God, your own path to God. That, that is a lie. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. This world, this culture we live in, it'll lie to you, it'll tell you that if you're just kind of good enough, that that's sufficient, that you'll be in heaven someday. Friend, that's a lie. The Bible says that we have all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We're all in need of a Savior, and His name is Jesus. He is the one who was, who is, who is to come. The Bible says there's no other name by which we can be saved. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior of the world. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And the only way to be a part of the family of God is by asking Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. You might be here today and say, Austin, I have never done that, but I want to. On Easter Sunday, I want to give my life to Jesus. On Easter Sunday, I want to be a part of the family of God. If that's you this morning, wherever you're seated, raise your hand, raise it up high to where I'll see it, I'll know. You would like me to pray with you? Say, Austin, pray with me. I want to ask Jesus into my heart. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to become a part of the family of God. If that's you, wherever you're seated, raise your hand. Where I'll see it and I'll know you want me to pray with you. you. Might also be here today and at a time in your life you prayed a prayer, you walked an aisle, but you know in your heart you've not been living for God. You've been doing your own thing. The Bible says that the grace and the mercies of God are new every morning. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You can have a new beginning. You can have a fresh start. You can leave here today knowing that you know that you have peace with God. If you're here today and say, Austin, that's, that's me. Pray with me. I want to recommit my life. That's you. Wherever you're seated, raise your hand. Raise it to where I'll see it and I'll know. You want me to pray with you. You want to recommit your life. For the sake of those watching or listening online now, or later, is there a hand? You raised your hand for either invitation, or maybe you didn't, but you know the Holy Spirit is dealing with your heart. I'm gonna come down to the front. You raised your hand or didn't, the Lord's dealing with your heart, this is for you. Come join me at the front, we're going to pray. And for the sake of those watching, listening online, we're going to pray. Don't, don't, don't be timid, don't be bashful. This, world is bold about all the things they've got going on. So we ought to be bold. Amen? For the sake of those watching or listening online, repeat this prayer after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I repent of my sins and I ask Jesus to be my Lord and to be my Savior. I confess my mouth. Jesus is Lord and I believe in my heart you raised him from the dead. From this day forward, I will live for you. I will come to church. I'll be in your house. I'll live the way the Bible says, and I'll put you first. And I thank you for setting me free of hindering me anything, 
hindering me from living for you. Thank you for welcoming me into your family. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer to give your life to Christ or to recommit your life, we want to be a blessing. You can go to the web address on the screen. Well, we don't want anything from you. Fill out the short form. Let us know you prayed. We'll send you a Bible. We'll also send you a short book by my father, our senior pastor called God's Very Own Child. It'll help you get started in living the Christian life. I hope the message was a blessing and encouragement to you today. We're a part of the family, and there are benefits. And one of those benefits are healing. Why don't we say it again and say, I thank you, Heavenly Father, that healing is the children's bread. I thank you that healing belongs to me. I thank you that as Peter said, I have been healed. I have been healed. I have been healed by the wounds of Jesus. Amen. The Lord, he is so wonderful. And he did all that he did for you and me. And he did all that he did because he loves us.